Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week two, day three of our study of 2 Corinthians. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about 2 Corinthians 2, 12-17. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God? Speak to us and fill us today with your word. We want to be fascinated with your word. Fascinate our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is 2 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 12. A lot of twos in there. Verse 12. Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye and uh, to them and went on to Macedonia. Now, um, Titus, he had sent to Corinth and he knew he was on his way home. And so he's trying to find him. If you're uh, looking here at the, if you're watching this, um, Troas, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I've got the map up right now. And Troas is uh, right here where my mouse is over here in uh, what's far western Turkey. This is Macedonia here and then down into Greece. And so we see that uh, Titus would have been walking north up the Aegean Peninsula and then over toward uh, modern day Turkey, catch a, a boat or a ferry to come over to Troas. And so that's what Paul is talking about is, uh, <clears throat> is, is expecting to find him there. I'm not sure if I actually had that on screen the entire time. Um, I don't think I did. So here it is one more time. So here's uh, the Troas area here. Here's Macedonia. And then here is uh, Corinth down here. And so that's where uh, Paul is is talking about uh, meeting him. And so he, he crosses over from what we call Turkey over into Greece. In, in, in their mind, it was all kind of the same. It's all Greek land. Turkey was all part of Greece at that time in history. All right. And so he's he's looking to find Titus. And that's why all of this has to do with the people of Corinth as Titus is on his way back from Corinth and the, the geography. They're kind of like he's moving to meet Titus down the Aegean Peninsula as he's expecting Titus to be walking up the Aegean Peninsula. They're going to find out that he's, he's going to find him. Um, just because, uh, you know, I suppose back then people actually interacted with other people. And, you know, when someone new visitor came into a town, people knew, <laughs> you know, how did people find people before the Internet and, and before mass communication? Well, they did. And Paul's going to find them anyway. Continue on verse 14. So thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, um, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle. I want to pause there actually real quick. <clears throat> Paul says like he's in Troas, but he's got no, he, he, he just, he can't, um, He's not doing okay because I think he's the way it sounds like he's afraid there's multiple different places where Titus could end up coming over and they could kind of miss each other. 
And so he decides he's going to cross over to Macedonia, knowing that Titus is almost certainly going to pass through the villages, the towns in Macedonia he's going to go to, and then hopefully he'll find him. And so he goes over there. But then he's like, but you know what? It's great because I started preaching the gospel there. And everywhere we go, there's this pleasing aroma of the gospel of Christ. And so, you know, no big deal, right? I'm, I'm going somewhere else to see if I can find Titus, but that's okay because everywhere I go, I preach the gospel and we should do the same. Like we should be that aroma. We should be that a pleasing aroma. Anywhere we step, we're bringing that aroma of the gospel with us. Now he says, aromas can be good or bad, right? They can bring back good memories or bad memories. We can have, uh, you know, aromas like our, our wife's perfume. When we smell that may bring back all sorts of good memories or, you know, we can, you know, have bad memories from smells, smells that are attached to one event or one person, you know, where it's like, ah, you know, or it's like, so in, in those days they would have, um, aromas they would have scent going on when they're burying people because as the bodies started to decompose because they didn't essentially kind of sanitize death like we do in our culture now where you can go to a funeral you don't smell that person because they've been dealt with right the the mortician takes care of that they didn't have access to that most people I mean, the, you know, the pharaohs and people like that did that, but they didn't have money for that. And so a dead body was going to start to decay and smell and all that kind of stuff. And so you'd, if you're at a, a funeral procession or whatever, you'd have all of these like really intense smells to try and cover up and mask the, the stench of the rotting body. And so anybody, like what Paul's saying here is like, oh yeah, like that smell, the smell of death is in everyone's mind because they've been to funerals and there's always going to be that smell associated with it to cover up the smell of, you know, of, of the rotting body. And so it's a very, uh, in, in their minds, he's saying something that is like, as soon as he says, they're like, oh yeah, like it instantly takes them to that place. And so he's saying the gospel is either the smell, uh, this pleasing aroma of life, or it's the the smell of death to other people because it's like, ah, I don't want to give up, you know, I don't want to give up all of the sin and, and all of the stuff in my life. And so I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to hear that uh, there's a, a God who's going to decide whether or not I, I spend eternity with him or in punishment. I don't want to hear any of that kind of stuff. I don't want to hear that I have to give up sin and then, and then take on obedience to Jesus. I don't want to hear that. And so that's a, a, not a pleasing aroma to those people that are essentially choosing that death. All right. Verse 17, Paul transitions here a little bit and he says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. And I think the reason Paul's tying that to this idea of aroma is if you're preaching the gospel where you're not peddling it for profit, then it's always, not most of the time, it's always going to be a pleasing aroma to some, but then the smell of death to others. Always. Because you can't preach the gospel without first explaining what the bad news is. You can't give people good news without them understanding the bad news. And the bad news is, hey, you're a sinner and, and because of that, you are separated and cut off from God and you are heading toward an eternity of, of punishment in hell, separation from God for all eternity and, and deservedly so. 
right? That's really, really bad news. It's really bad news to be told that, hey, there is a, a creator God who he makes the rules of how all of this works. And you're on the wrong side of all of those rules, like every single one of them. You're on the bad side of this deal. Uh, sorry to let you know that, but that's your current state. Like that's horrible news. That's terrible news, but it's true. It's true, but it's terrible news. But then the gospel, the good news is you can get on the good side of this. It's actually quite easy to be on the good side of this. All you have to do is put your your faith and your obedience, your allegiance to this man, Jesus, his son, who has paid the sacrifice for you to be made right with God. He has reconciled you to God with his own blood. And all that he requires is your obedience, your allegiance to him. Right? So, so there is immensely good news, but that good news doesn't make any sense out of context, right? If you're only preaching good news, Hey, Jesus loves you. You know, he's, he shed his blood for you. Oh, well, that's weird. Why did he do that? He loves me and he shed his, why, why would he shed his blood for me? I mean, I, it's cool that he loves me. Yeah. Well, let's just stick with that. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I, I, I like this Jesus. If he likes me, I like him. Cool. Carry on with my life. Right. That's not good news. That's news. It's maybe it's interesting news. It's not good news. It can't be good news unless you understand the reality that we live in the bad news. <laughs> the bad news that our reality is the only thing that makes what Jesus has done for us good news. Divorced from that, it's just information. It's like, okay, thanks. There's a guy that you say is in the sky and he still alive and he likes me, fine, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But when you understand the whole story, that there's really bad news, it makes this other news about what Jesus has done for us, it makes it exceptionally good. Like calling it the good news is the greatest understatement in the history of mankind. Nothing could be a softer sell. We don't have words to express how good this news is when we understand it in light of our reality, the bad news. And so that's the issue. If you give people the, the understanding of what the good news is in context, then yes, it's going to be a pleasing aroma to some and the smell of death to others. But we can't do it divorced from that. Now, if you're peddling God's word, if you're peddling the gospel for profit, then what better way than just to leave out all this other context here? Hey, the God who created everything, he really likes you just the way you are, you know, full on Disney here. He likes you just the way you are. Don't change a thing. There's this guy named Jesus and he loves you. Oh, that's awesome. I like this. Join my little group here. We're going to call it a church and we're going to tell you that Jesus loves you just the way you are. Yeah, people are going to join that. People are going to jump on board with that. They're going to pay you money to keep telling them that. Who doesn't want to hear all these wonderful things? But it's not good news. That's not good news. That's just, you know, that's uh, flattery. And flattery, I mean, it can feel nice, but it's rarely good news. Actually, most of the time, flattery means that there's some really awful stuff going on behind your back or under the, you know, under the surface that you should probably find out about if there's just an ongoing, never-ending stream of flattery. 
And that's what Paul said is this peddling of the gospel for profit. It's not good news. It's flattery. And there's some nefarious things going on under the surface that you should probably be aware of if that's the world you live in. Because the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us, it will always be an aroma of life to some, an aroma of death to others, if we're actually preaching the truth. And there's nothing we can do about that. There's no sugarcoating, but it does lead to eternal life. And so it's worth it. It's worth it to preach the gospel because it leads to eternal life, but it is always going to smell bad to people who don't want to change. They don't want to give up their sin. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.